welcome to another edition of Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula. I am here today with Josh Peterson, co-host of Unsportsmanlike Conduct, every weekday from 2 to 6 on 1620 The Zone, or 1620thezone.com, or 1620thezone app, but it's all radio. It's all radio, and sometimes we're even on YouTube, so we're we're all over the place. Dibs TV. Oh yeah, go subscribe. If you ever... Well, and you can go look at old stuff, too. Uh-huh, yeah. Every every video we've ever done is still there. Old Alphabet Playoff games are still on Stibs Which are TV. fun. There's yeah. nothing on other sports to watch right now. There's so. literally nothing. <laughs> Unless you want to wake up early and watch soccer overseas, there is no, and golf, I guess, now. But I've other been, than I've that. I've actually watched some KBO. Oh, have you? Some Korean baseball. I've watched maybe like a half inning. One of I watched almost a whole game. Uh, one of the teams was called the Dinos, and I was in. Yeah. I was also drunk, so I don't. that might have been a fact. I mean, they, they play at midnight, so <laughs> it, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I will say, you, you'll enjoy this. So I went back and watched, because again, no sports, and I've already watched over 100 movies in all of Game of Thrones. Oh, I should add up how many movies I've watched. Because I, I, I keep track of every movie I yeah. watch now, and so I could go, it's not, you've watched 100 movies in the last three months? I've watched over 100 movies, Oh yes. my gosh. I'm probably at like, every two weeks, I probably watch a total of three to four. So I'm either like one and a half to two a week is kind okay, of what it averages so out. So probably like in the 30 range? Yeah, probably 30 to 40, somewhere in there. Maybe more. Early on, I was real. I was almost doing one a night. Yeah. yeah so, but lately, it's kind of slowed down, it's a, little slowed down a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, because it's getting nicer outside. Yeah. And, yeah. I've been reading more like a nerd, so. Yeah, oh, what yeah. a terrible yeah. decision. I know, yeah. Um, I, will, I don't read almost at all anymore, at least in terms of books. I yeah. read a lot of articles. But I love audiobooks. Yeah. Like, I'm obsessed with audiobooks. Do you listen on fast speed? Like, doubles, no. double speed? Because when I'm listening to stuff, it's the same reason I listen to so many podcasts. Yeah. It's like an innings-eating situation while I'm at work. Uh-huh. So I don't want it to go any faster, like, Because you're already half paying attention anyway. Yeah, so, like, it... And the slowest, I can't go slow because then it just sounds like everybody's drunk. Uh-huh. Oh, that's horrible. It's super funny to listen to you and John sometimes. <laughs> on half speed, <laughs> I can see that because it just sounds like you guys are wafed, wasted doing the radio. And you know show. who knows we might be too, especially with some of the topics that come. To like okay, they're absolutely hammered. We're like right okay, now. we gotta take some shots before we dive into this one. Um, but no, so I I've, I've gone through over hundred movies. I've gone through all of Game of Thrones. I watched Space Force already. Oh wow! I've watched. Oh, what else have I gone? Through? They're getting things done, dude. I think I've watched. Rewatched all of Brooklyn Nine Nine up through what it's up so far, so like six and a half seasons, almost yeah. seven seasons. So I've watched a ton of stuff, but and so I was like, okay, I need some other stuff to watch. I watched all of the Last Dance and all that good stuff, and so I went back and rewatched a bunch of the ninety four, ninety five Husker games because mm-hmm. the, there's like eight of them each year on YouTube. Yeah, almost all of them are on YouTube. Yeah, I think the only one like Pacific's not on there. Some of the ones that I'm guessing weren't, weren't on TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Washington State in '95. Yep. I don't think that that was televised. Um, so I went back and watched all these '94, '95 Husker games, and then I watched a couple from '97, but. I'm not as attached to that team. Uh-huh. Because um, I was, after, that was, like, when Brooke died, that was kind of when I was done. So, at 97, I didn't care as much. But, yeah. 94, 95. And I got to say, that was really enjoyable. I enjoyed, oh, yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I love watching old games. Like, I rarely watch them all the way through anymore. But there was a, a couple summers ago, I would just, like, stay up late. I don't stay up as late as I used to, but I would just stay up late, and I would, like, drink. You sound like an alcoholic. But I just drank it drunk, you know, buzzed or whatever. And I would wa- I just bounce around and watch bits and pieces of old games. Yeah. And it was like the summer, especially before Frost coached his first game. And so I knew I wanted to make an open for his, his first, you know, game of the year. And so I was trying to bounce around and find a bunch of stuff from 97. So I actually watched the season that you're not, a, you know, you don't yeah. you have an attachment to. 
But I love it. I love watching old games. I get the nostalgia in a way less for the actual game itself and more of just like the presentation, like yeah. the way that the broadcast looks, Although the announcers. I will say, the lack of the score bug is oh, awful. Dude, so, yeah, some of those years, because yeah, 94, 94 95, 95 don't have a score cause bug. Because I think 97 is when a lot of the networks really. It's like one of the very first. Because Fox had had the NFL for a few years by that point. And I know 97 ABC, if you watch ABC games that year, yep. they keep it up there the whole time. Yep. Except weirdly, go watch a random 97 game. When punts would happen, it would go away. It was the weirdest thing, and like, like the numbers would close, like the the little score bug would close, yeah. and it would like literally fly off the screen. It was one of the strangest. It probably things. cost them millions to make oh, that yeah. graphic in nineteen. Bob, Bob, get the score bug flying off, please. We need it right now. Hit the gif. Yeah, hurry, hurry. <laughs> and sure enough, there it would go flying away. So yeah, I'm a big fan. I love rewatching. I will probably watch more of '97. I only so far, I think I only watched. Oh, what did I watch? Kansas State. I think I watched Kansas oh, State. Oh, they killed him. Um, and then I watched... You do Missouri, the best game? I haven't watched Missouri yet. Oh, I love that game. I watched one of the other early ones. Uh, what was Washington? The... Yes. Okay. Washington. Yeah. Uh, so I watched Washington and K-State so far, and I'm going to at least at some point get to um, Missouri and the bowl game mm-hmm. against Tennessee. Yep. Or, you know, ten- yeah, Tennessee, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, so I want to get those two for sure. Colorado's close at the end of the year, but Nebraska's winning by a lot, and then Colorado comes just back. They destroy Texas A&M. Yes. That's a weird season because... It's like, a Big 12 championship yeah. game, right? They have, yeah. like, a couple of close games, and then everything else is just, like, a butt-kicking. But yeah. they're never talked about, like, 95. You know, like, 95 only had a 14-point game with Washington State, and they blew everyone else out. Yeah. No one ever talks about 97 being, like, this really, really, really great team because the Missouri game was just so strange. I think, it, I think in a lot of people's eyes, it kind of lessens it. Yeah, there's, like, an asterisk because you're, like... That was illegal, and you probably and he admitted it. He admitted he did it on purpose. Really shouldn't have won that game. Yeah, and then the whole split title thing too. So yeah, the split title with Michigan, I think, taints it a lot as well in terms of like all time great. But yeah. that was a really really good team. It was, yeah. And you look at some of the names on the oh, roster, loaded, just incredible. Yeah, uh, you got the seniors. You know, like obviously Grant and Jason, but like yes. the. Like, Ralph Brown, Mike Brown, they were sophomores on that and team. They, Bobby Newcomb was a freshman on that uh, team. Yeah, the, the Browns played in the, both played in the NFL yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Um, that was the other thing. Kyle Vandenbosch is a backup. Steve Warren's a backup. Yeah. I mean, it's a loaded, it's a loaded, loaded roster. And still not quite as loaded as 95 because no. that entire defense basically plays in the NFL. I think most of the offensive line plays in the NFL. Obviously, Lawrence Phillips had his time in the NFL. Yeah. Mont Green has his time I in mean, the NFL. you know, you mentioned Brooke. If Brooke, you know, doesn't die tragically he goes to the nfl he would have gotten a shot yeah Yeah. so their backup quarterback is an nfl player in 1995 you got frost redshirting on that team right as well yeah they 95 is ridiculous just stupid stat yeah it's i mean you've got like two deeps that are playing in the nfl oh yeah they're um because uh minter's on that team Mm -hmm. as well yep uh yeah so that team's absurd and then but one of the funny things about the 94 and 95 seasons while i'm watching is like so we both know damon benning Mm mm-hmm and you've known him for way longer than I have, but like him and I get along pretty well. And, yeah. And, and I'll text him back every once in a while about just random stupid stuff. It's so weird to like it. Like it. it there's like a disconnect mm-hmm. in my brain between Damon Benning that I know from radio and all that kind of stuff, and one of the you know like he was a real contributor on two national title teams. Yeah. And, you know, won the MVP or whatever in the 96 Orange Bowl. Like, all that. Like, he's a a real high-level college football player. Yeah. And it's like, there's like, 
It's like they're two completely different people. Yeah, I mean, he's like a he's a member of the seminal sports memory for like this entire state. Like he's a big part of yeah. those years. And yeah, I remember early on when I got into into working, and like so I met him in college. And so I'm getting to know him, and he's coming on my college radio show, and then he hooks me up with Kevin and Michael, and yeah. I, I intern with him. And then I remember when when the Zone hired Jason, Jason Peter, yeah. and it's like I just very quickly suddenly it's like all right, these are these are the people that I guess I'm working with now. You know, it's like I will. I remember watching Jason, like I mean, rooting for these yeah. guys. And so, and I remember early on too. You know, I'd call. You know, we book guests, and I'd call them, and it's like all right, I guess I'm calling former Husker blank. And so yeah. for a while, it was like really trippy for me. But you know, over time, and you know, I, I imagine you feel this too to some degree is. Just kind of become your friends, you know. It's like, oh, it's just somebody I know, and it's like, you know, like Damon says something, and I'll text him like that was funny or that was good yeah. or whatever it is, and like, it's it's very weird how you you grow up thinking of these people as like one thing, and then it's like, oh yeah, you are just a normal guy who does normal things like yeah, everybody else. I remember as a kid, like rooting and cheering for Damon Benning, and, yeah, and it, like it's a very it's a very surreal yeah feeling because it's like those aren't the same person. Yeah, it's like they are, but they aren't. Yep, you know, uh, and yeah, I love like. <laughs> It's super. It was really strange to me at first when I would start filling in on radio shows or on the radio shows, and Damon would like either text or DM me and just be like, "Man, you got me driving off the road over here," because he just appreciates my specific sense of humor. Yep. And I'm like, this is just like a really bizarre place for me to be right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, or the first time I filled in for uh, for Nick Basho. Uh huh. Which. Is it? It's even stranger because he's closer to my age. Mm-hmm. But like, I remember when he transferred from Kansas to Creighton and being like, "Oh, we got this dude from Kansas," and like his uncle was my gym teacher in high school. Oh, really? Chip. Yeah. Chip Ba was my, and I remember the poster of like I think Nick was a freshman. I remember the Kansas schedule poster uh-huh. in his office. Yeah. He was the basketball coach at Miller North and my and my gym teacher, and so and then it's like, okay, now I'm filling in for this guy because he's calling a national radio or a national televised basketball game yeah. and he's out of town. Like It was just so bizarre. I remember the first kind of moment like that for me where it was somebody that was closer to my age but I had remembered playing was Josh Dosler. You know, oh, I remember yeah, yeah. I'd remembered yeah. watching Josh at Bellevue West, and then I'd remembered obviously him at Creighton. And so when I remember when my my boss at the time, Neil Nelkin, when we're putting when we got Creighton broadcast, you know, we we find out that we're going to get their games in the summer of 2013. And I knew like, okay, we're going to do this pregame show. And so we're like, all right, we're going to have this lunch meeting with Josh. Yeah. And it was just like by that point, I'd been in radio for a little bit, so I wasn't like starstruck or anything. But it was just like. This is weird. I watched you play basketball. I watched you play college basketball. Yeah. And now I'm trying to like pitch you on working <laughs> with me. Because he's like, so how would this show work? And I was, I, I said something super corny like, well, I would imagine myself as kind of the point guard and I'm going to set you up for things like that. And I was just so nervous and I didn't know what I was doing. I, I had, you know, never had a regular show at that yeah. point. And, and then, you know, end up having a really, really great relationship with Josh over the years. Yeah. You know? Well, and for, I mean, first of all, Josh is like the nicest oh, man seriously. on earth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Josh was one for me too because I really start. Those are some of the first. His like freshman year and on are some of the first Creighton teams I like really, really remember being invested yeah. in in terms of like every game, mm-hmm. right? Like I remember Kyle Korver. Yep. I remember Ryan Sears even to a certain extent, like his last couple years. But like in terms of like watching every game or like living and dying with him. Yeah, like going somewhere to watch every game. Like Josh Stoltzer was on the the front end of yep. that. 
and like his freshman year when he was so good, and then he like hurt his Before knee the injuries, and stuff, yeah. and, and hurt his wrist, and and so. It actually started, Josh's deal with me kind of started before that, like I got uh, to know him in radio because he is involved, obviously he leads Bridge Church. Yep. It's Bridge. Bridge, yeah. Yeah, yeah Bridge Church and then Abide. Abide is the, yeah, yeah, I always get them confused. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he he, so he he does the his stuff with Bridge Church and I have a pastor friend of mine that I was like my youth leader growing up that does a lot of work with them from his church and so yeah. they kind of like are friends and stuff and he's like and and my friend who's a pastor is also a huge Creighton fan he's like dude you won't believe this but I have Josh Dozer's phone number <laughs> and, and I was like so I'm gonna need you to just randomly let me show up sometime <laughs> and just let me nerd out and geek out and fanboy for like 10 minutes and then I'll be cool um but no and so yeah I had a very similar situation with with Josh and his Josh Dotes or not. Well Josh Peterson too. Yeah. I fanboyed out pretty hard. <laughs> um but yeah, so it's 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 very surreal. I think Damon was the biggest one though. Uh-huh. Just because like I mean ninety five Nebraska just kind of like takes everything yeah. like, blows everything out of the water, yeah. you know. It's hard to describe that team to somebody like if you if if either you're really young or if you're not from this state, yeah. like kind of, and especially the longer that that the team plays without winning anything of note, like the more that or you know, like at all, like the, yeah, <laughs> you know, like the '85 Bears have become like this mythical thing. Not only were they really good, but it's like the last. I mean, Bears haven't won a Super Bowl yeah. since then, and and you wonder like the longer that this goes, even though they won a title after that, that that team just starts getting lifted higher and higher oh, and yeah. higher. The the before at some point, if, if Nebraska continues to struggle, that team is going to be like they could have beat. The 85 Bears. Yeah. They could have beat the 2007 Patriots. Yeah. They could have beat anybody. If if they played the Patriots schedule, they'd have gone 19 and 0. I like how you did a Chicago accent. Yeah, I didn't even mean to. But, <laughs> <ended> <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so that's what I've that's what I've been spending a lot of my time doing. Mm-hmm. Um, is watching. One more thing on old games, real okay. quick. I would highly suggest there's a bunch of stuff if you've got the ESPN Plus. Mm-hmm. There are a bunch of old Bulls games. Because of The Last Dance? Yes. And are they in, like, because I know right after the last episode, that Wednesday, then they showed Game 6 in high definition with, like, the actual... So not all of them are in high definition, but they're better quality than the old Like Nebraska on YouTube? Games. Okay, yeah. yeah. The stuff on YouTube, some of that quality... It has, like, well. the VCR stuff? Yeah. yeah. It's like somebody seriously just, like, video recorded their VCR while it was running yes. and put it on YouTube. Yeah. Um, no, it's better quality than that, but not as good as the HD of the Game 6. Yeah. Um, but very watchable. Yeah. I would highly suggest, especially for people of our age, because I remember Jordan's last three-peat very well. Mm-hmm. I don't remember very much of the first one. I don't remember the first one at all. I remember The only thing I remember is John Paxson hitting the game winner against Phoenix. Okay. That's my first like definitive watch this basketball memory. Mm-hmm. And I went back and watched some of the Portland series in, from 92. Yeah. And if you don't remember pre-baseball Michael Jordan, oh, he's ridiculous. it's a different thing. Yeah, because he has, like, I mean, who was it on the on the last dance who said about 90, I think it was BJ, where he was like, he didn't, like, play basketball. He just kind of, like, controlled everything on the floor. Yes. You know, like, because that's, you, the, the, after He was, the, like, the son of the universe. Yeah. Like, it was, at, like, the, the, everything revolved around him. Yeah, the, the 92 and 93 is, like, the best version of him in the sense of he knows how to win a title, and so there's no more questions anymore, but he still is ridiculously athletic. Yes. And so he, he entered And he this, started to have that, like, post-game skill set. Yeah. So it was kind of like, if I could compare it to somebody more recent, like, 
2012 LeBron. Yeah. Like, where the athleticism is still peak. Because when you get back to Cleveland, LeBron, he starts to coast a little bit to save stuff. Yep. They, obviously, he's still incredible. I'm not taking anything yeah. away from him. But, like, 2012 LeBron and 92 Jordan, I think, are very close in terms of, like, peak athleticism, but they've also figured everything out. Yeah, you got the, the confidence, you got the athleticism, you, you got the respect from the the, the, yes. the officials in the league, yeah. you know, and, and all that stuff. Yeah, that, that I mean, those early 90s ones. I mean, especially the what he does against the Suns where he averages, what, 45 a game yeah, or something just ridiculous. Stupid, just yeah, it's just like, stupid. can you imagine somebody playing the NBA Finals today and over six games averaging 45 points? Yeah. I mean, it'd, it'd be incredible. And, and so I would highly encourage... A rewatch of Anyone those. who has not watched anything from early 90s Jordan, pre-baseball Jordan, but like during the first three. Because mm-hmm. a lot everyone this, remembers the end. Everybody remembers the end. You got the flu game. You got the game six. You and got it's a, just a different player. Yeah. And a lot of people see highlights of the 80s stuff, which is incredible, but a lot of it's just like largely straight freak show athletic Athleticism, stuff. Athleticism, yep. If you... He, you got to catch that sweet spot and yeah. like that of athleticism and, and skill and skill and experience and yep. like knowledge. Prime, prime. I mean, yeah, I mean prime. His, yeah, it is his literal prime, and it's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just had to throw that out there as well. You've been spending your time doing a sports talk radio show yeah. in the world with zero sports activity. Yeah. So how is that going? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's so funny. Um, so today, we're recording this on the 12th, and it's literally three months ago today was when they canceled everything. So three months ago today, you and I did some of a show together Yeah. because Creighton played, and they did a first half of a basketball game. Then they canceled it. John did some post game. He cried on the air. It was a great moment. Yep. You and I did some time together. John came in and I did uh, severe and bending that morning with Damon. That's right. As well. So so that day I will never forget that day. It's I, I don't know man. I've been really pleased with with how it's gone. Yeah. Uh, you know early on it was I remember asking myself and asking John and asking Stibbs like okay what are we going to do now? Yeah. Um and and you know early on especially and, and a lot of people did this. It was hey let's watch old games. Let's let's do this. Let's yeah. do that. Which I'm I'm fine with, but I I now in hindsight like we barely talked about old games in all totality. We talked a lot about the last dance, but we didn't really hey let's rewatch this game and talk about yeah. it. We we actually ended up never doing that. You know, it, it's I don't know, it's weird. I I don't really think that it's been a negative. Like I miss sports a yeah. lot, and I miss this time of year. You and I, big NBA fans. I love the NBA. I love the NBA playoffs. Um, so it sucks not having that. But I have been so surprised. It first of all, there's been so much news still. Like, what's happening with baseball? What's yeah. happening with basketball? I mean, the football thing really has dominated the last three months. Of will they play? When will they play? How will they play? Like, and we're still having that discussion today. You know, Houston announced that they're the the football team, the Cougars, they they announced that they're basically not practicing or doing any team yeah, activities. shutting down workouts because six guys got uh, yeah. diagnosed. So, like, we always have some sort of news to, to talk about. I've been really happy with it, though. I've been, you know, I, I just, I don't know, it, it causes us to be more creative. We, we've done a bunch of new things. Some stuff we've tried and it, and it just kind of falls by the wayside because it sucks. Sure. And other stuff we've done and it, and it works really well. It's, it's really strange, though. You know, like not having a game to watch at night or anything like that. How much different is it, the actual radio show? Because let's be honest, it's Nebraska, it's the summer. It's, yeah, it's the offseason anyway. You don't talk that much NBA on the show. None nope. of the local shows do because nope. it's not a huge niche. Like I force feed it to some of the people when I host shows. Mm-hmm. But you still get like maybe one, two segments out of it, right? Sure. Um, how much different is it actually doing the actual show than it would be normally because 
again, this time of year, you're mostly just talking about news and speculation and whatnot anyway. You're not going really game by game of the NBA playoffs because people in Nebraska don't necessarily care. No, it's a great question because, I mean, if you think about the last three months, I would say the biggest difference from a normal spring and summer compared to this one is we always look ahead to the next football season, even sometimes when you're in the previous one. But this time, it had a much more of a tinge of, will there be a next football sure. season? So, we still talked about it. I mean, missing spring practice was a huge that, thing. See, now that's been, I'd say, the spring biggest difference is... Spring practice and March Madness. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we definitely missed out on March Madness because we do talk about that a ton. Yeah. Um, and we the, the longer it goes, the more we break down like actual games and, and talk about those. But what we really missed out on was like all the spring football stuff that yeah. we normally do. And so, we ended up not doing, obviously, any of that. And for a while, we weren't even having the discussions of like... What, what does Adrian Martinez need to do? Because for a while, you didn't even know if there was going to be a season. Yeah. And I mean, who knows? You know, still right it now, you know. It seems like there's going to be in some form or fashion. You yeah. don't necessarily know what it looks like. But at this point, and I thought this all along with football specifically, there's too much money on the line. They're never going to cancel the season. Yeah, I think the Houston thing today is going to be pretty interesting to see. Like, if that happens elsewhere, are they going to just, like, power through? Because I've. I. I I think they will. I do too. I and think they're just going to quarantine whoever gets exposed. And sorry, it's like sorry. And te- or maybe just quarantine the entire team. So it's like if you get exposed, like we're going to pass all around. Doesn't matter. Yeah, and and if I feel very uncomfortable with that. I don't think that they should play if if those types of issues are, are going on. But I I feel like I'm in the minority. Um, certainly, I feel like I'm in the minority in sports media when I say that. So I have within the last month, I just kind of basically reached this point where I threw up my hands and I said, all right. If this is what's going to happen, I'm not going to sit here and argue about it every day and just be this Debbie Downer wet blanket sure. of like, no, they shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. So I've just kind of resigned myself to it. And so now has really been the opportunity or the time where we finally have started asking like, so what does this guy need to do? Yeah. Or what does this guy need to do? But I would say that that's the, the biggest difference, you know, overall, as I just look back through the last three months, it's just, we didn't have spring football um, and we don't have the occasional like, hey, hockey's on tonight or basketball's on tonight. Who do you like? <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, I mean, we would we would have had Mike Farron as a regular guest talking about baseball, but all of our other regulars are basically on, and there's there's still stuff to talk. It's weird how much there's to talk about, even though there's like theoretically nothing to talk about. Well, and speaking of things that have been talked about a lot, especially the last couple of weeks, yeah, I guess we'll dive into the a little bit more serious stuff now. Sure. Um, how has it been? Because I know both having listened to your show for a long time and, and hosting occasionally, it's not like a strictly sports show, right? It, yeah. It's not something where, I mean, you don't... One thing that I like probably the most about our the program director over there is that he encourages, like, hey, the show is about your personality. Nope. The show isn't about Nebraska football. The show isn't about sports. It's about people engaging and connecting with the host, yeah, right? Yeah, And so in order to do that, you have to stray away from sports from time you to time. You have to let your personality show. Yeah, you have to be vulnerable, you have to be authentic and transparent, yeah. and all those corporate buzzwords yeah, yeah, yeah. that people love, right? And so that's one of the things that has always been encouraged, yeah. at least since I've been there. Yeah. And so it makes sense that you would dive into the stuff that's been going on around the country, whether it's the George Floyd stuff or the protests or, or all that uh, kind of thing. But I guess where where have you tried to draw the balance between, okay, this is stuff we have to address just from a current event standpoint to this is the stuff I want to address from like a moral imperative standpoint yeah. to we also don't want to 
just make everybody depressed for four hours? No, man, it's a, it's a great question because, you know, I think back to four years ago when, when Colin Kaepernick first started kneeling and then Michael Rose-Ivy and a couple other Huskers kneeled later that fall at Northwestern. A game, by the way, that I was at and I had no idea that they kneeled until, because phone service sucked in there. And so yeah. it wasn't until I got back into the car and was listening to overreaction that I realized, like, oh, something happened. And I was yeah. like, oh, my gosh, we're going to talk about this on Monday. Well, that ended up, I think, being a detriment to the show in terms of the ratings. Like, our ratings that, that fall weren't as good as, as they normally are. And in hindsight, we looked at them kind of with our, our boss at the time, and it was like, you know, we probably talked about it a little too much. And I, I have really gotten a lot more political over the last four years. You know, obviously, as a lot of people have. With, with, I think especially people our age. Yeah, definitely. With Trump the getting last elected. Five years, yeah, I think. You know, like, because I grew up. Um, I grew up in a conservative household. Dad was a pastor, you know, went to church every Sunday. And so, you know, I considered myself a Republican for majority of my life. Just like, I'm a Republican because that's what I am. Just figure that's what because it was. Because that's what Christians do. That's what Christians do. Yeah. And so I, when when I got went to college, I, I still considered myself that. But I just kind of, I just didn't pay attention to anything. Yeah. I, I, I was a sports fan. I watched sports. And, and in hindsight, I kind of look back at some of the, the things that I did or, like, articles I would read or books I would read. And it was obvious that I was trying to educate myself without actually, like, what's going on in the Iowa caucus. Yeah. But I've really gotten into that stuff over the last four years. But, you know, don't definitely don't want to alienate, you know, listeners. Sure. It's been hard, though, over the last few weeks to not feel – first of all, I feel a sense of obligation to, to talk about this stuff because it's what's happening in the country. There, there's no sports going on right now. And then – you add in that so many athletes have have felt and felt I think emboldened to speak, yeah. if not required to speak. Yeah. And I feel the same way. I feel a sense when I say obligation in a positive sense. I feel a sense of obligation right now to to talk about this stuff because it is. I mean, dude, so much is changing. You know, to see all these Confederate statues, you know, fall down, or yeah. or, or what happened with the the Confederate flag in NASCAR yeah. earlier this week. Um, you know, there's so much going on. And so when, when you talk about like, what, what should we talk about or what is our obligation as a show? You know, that first Monday after, after that weekend, you know, two weeks ago, that, that first Monday we came on the air and, um, and we aired the press conference from Klein talking about the Skurlock murder. Yeah. That was how the Monday show began following the protests. And it was interesting because we didn't really exactly like talk about like, hey, how do we want to open the show here? We knew we were going to talk about the weekend. We knew yeah. we were going to talk about the protest. I mean, yeah. We had to. Yeah. But then that happened and we aired it. And in that moment, I just kind of realized, all right, this is this is what we're going to do now. And I'll be honest, man. I think it's been freeing. You know, like we had you on earlier this week and and basically the whole interview was about politics. And and yeah. the fact that you, you brought up specifically – you know the 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 voter suppression that's going on in Georgia yep. right now, and and I was so happy that you did that because so often politics can you know obviously it's so Trump centric right now, and so it and, and you know it seems like it's this side versus this side, which obviously it is, but there are so many other little stories that that I know that I am up on because I I pay attention to this stuff mm -hmm. a, a lot, you know, it, like what happened in Wisconsin within the last couple of months when they had their primary. And, and you have all of these people that have to go and vote outside and you have all these long lines. And this is in the real heart of COVID. Yep. And, and that was a really important uh, uh, election beyond just, you know, the primary for the, you know, the president of the country. And so the Democratic nominee. And so in that moment on that Monday, it was like, all right, this is what we're going to do now. And, and so we have talked a lot about it. And, and you know, Robbie, I think 
I mean, if you if you look around at sports people, like this is what everyone is talking about. I'm sure we've lost yeah. listeners. I'm sure people are like, I do not want to listen to this. I came here for sports, even though there are no sports. But this now, even more so than 2016, sports and politics are just so intertwined. And I mean, it's going to be like this obviously the rest of the year. I don't know. I don't know how much longer the especially tail will go. Especially when you hit football season. Especially when you hit football season, and then you have an election in November. I mean, well, like this is what 2020 is going to be. I assume it sounds like. Everyone in the NFL is going to kneel. Yeah, I mean, Bill O'Brien today announced that he's going to with his team. It certainly sounds like at least week one, everybody's kneeling. Yeah. You know, and it sound, and I mean, they basically have the blessing of the NFL. Like, yeah. That's what Roger Goodell gave them, yeah. was the blessing to do that. And it sounds like they're all going to. Uh, but yeah, you brought up a good point with some of the smaller stuff, right? Because especially with the era of Trump politics, right? It's so easy to be divisive. But... You can get a lot more people to agree on, like, hey, voter suppression is bad. Theoretically. You, know, you would hope people then, agree with that. Then, and rather than saying Trump is suppressing voters or the Republicans are suppressing voters, which people hear as one and the same now. Yeah. Right? Because he's basically, his personality has taken over the Republican Party. And that's a lot harder to get people to agree on than saying, like, hey, everybody should have equal access to voting. Yeah. Everybody who qualifies, which. There's a whole other discussion on, like, felons being able to vote and that kind Voter of thing. Voter ID laws, all that stuff, yeah. And, but everybody who currently is eligible and legally allowed to vote yeah. should have equal access to voting. Yeah. It's much easier to get people to agree to that yeah. than to say Trump's a racist. Yeah. Right? Even if they're both equally true and there's equal amounts of evidence for both, it's easier to agree, get people to agree to one to the other. So that's why some of the smaller stories are important. And I brought this up when... I, I talked on your show yesterday. It's easier to get people to agree that George Floyd was murdered than a lot of the other police killings. Yeah, and you, I thought that the point that you brought up, for those of you who didn't listen, I mean, Robbie essentially just said, like, you watch the video and there is no ifs, ands, or buts. There is no, like, well, what did he do? There what did he say? There is zero ambiguity. You can't, you can't watch that. And the only I'll, thing he does is beg for his life. Yeah, and, and for so. For nine minutes. And, and, you know, like, one of the, the, the interesting questions of the last two weeks three weeks now is like why this moment why did this why did this murder bring about such a change and i've asked it of myself and i've asked it of, of guests but I, I think it boils down there's like four or five different things the pandemic who the president and all all these things but i think really this moment it, it's it's the video and that it's just so cut and dry and yeah. that it is so obvious and the the callousness the hands in the pocket all of that stuff has has you know fueled this moment and so yeah I, I I thought that that that's why like I loved the interview that we had with you this week and I'm not just saying that because I'm on the podcast <laughs> right now but I I, re, I was talking to to I don't remember who it was last night about it and it's just like I loved it because it was so just political it was it was issues that I am caring about right now I, it's issues that other people are caring about right now and like. Th- I don't know, man. Like, I know that it's a sports show, and you know, I'm a sports talk host. But this this show has so often, you know, it, it has it has been just what we are feeling in that exact moment, yeah. or what the country or what the city or the state's going through. And in this moment, like that is what everyone is going through right now. It's kind of funny. It reminds me of I, I love the Dan Levitard show. Mm-hmm. I, I've said that a million times. I am obsessed with that show, and. It reminds me a lot of unsportsmanlike conduct in that there's just like a lot of like stupid goofiness that is just pure enjoyable fun, right? Yeah. That's a lot of what the show is. 
Sometimes it's tangentially related from, to sports. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just funny, stupid stuff. Yeah. Right? But every once in a while, and and Dan Lampard said this, he's like, okay, you come for the funny, stupid, but every once in a while I'm going to give you your medicine. Yeah. And like, and so he goes, I mean, he's been suspended by ESPN before for, for calling the president a racist or a liar or something or both. I don't remember. Um, and so he gets political from time to time and he goes into social issues and stuff like that. And his parents are like Cuban immigrants. And yeah. so he's got this like history of, he's got a unique background of being Brown in America. Yeah. And, and it's, that's kind of how I feel about what's going on. Obviously to a much greater degree with your show than like my Twitter account. But <laughs> I mean, I've lost a Dude, bunch of followers. Me too. Twitter. Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause I, for the longest time, I, I was not like stick to sports because obviously I tweet about random crap and yeah. I would make fun of Trump, but I wasn't doing the like activism. Yeah, and like I'm gonna have an actual discussion. And I don't know for whatever reason over not even even before the pandemic, I started like even responding to more like national people that I follow. Um, you know, with, with kind of just more of like the humor. Like there's one writer her name's Ashley Feinberg. She writes for uh, Huffington Post, mm-hmm. and she's just hilarious. And she she looks at things and just kind of makes fun of them. And so I started responding to, to those types of, of people more, ones who are really, you know, into the political beat. And I don't know, For look, the, the coronavirus obviously played a huge part in it and all the misinformation, it, really, it just pissed me off to know yeah. it. And, and I got to a point, the George Floyd murder was this moment of like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like hide behind this idea of like, I'm a sports guy and I'm just, I don't want to upset it. It's like, fuck it. You know, like yeah. if, if you don't want to, to follow me because I say that the president you voted for sucks. Like, I'm sorry. But I don't know. I, 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 it still weighs on me all the time of, like, how far do I want to go? Because I I would like to talk more, more about, like, the smaller issues. And, like, I don't want to say voter suppression is a small issue. But I'm saying, like, I want to go beyond just... focused on Yes, issues, I want to yeah. go beyond just... Donald Trump sucks. You know, I want to I want to talk more about, you know, the things that I really care about. Yeah. And I have noticed that, too. I've lost a lot of followers yeah. lately. And it's... It, it makes me laugh in one sense, but in the other, it's like, wow, we can't, you know, we there's no room for, for any sort of a conversation here. I mean, there's really not. And the funny <laughs> thing about, the funny thing about the, I guess, my Twitter account, which has been almost strictly political for the last three weeks. Yeah, basically. and I've really enjoyed it, man. Um, I haven't said anything extreme. Like, I don't think you have either. You know what I mean? Like, I understand, like, and I've, I've like, shit on Trump before, like, in years past, but it's, like, a one-off or whatever. And I'm like, hey, remember he's a racist, or hey, remember he, like, rapes a bunch of people or whatever, you know? It's like, don't forget, he basically hates everyone but himself. Um, and then it's just a one-off, and then I move on, or I try to make a funny comment out of it, but still let you know that he's an asshole. And, and that's what it is, right? Yeah. And basically for the last, basically since George Floyd was murdered, my Twitter account has been just strictly, like, activism, mm-hmm. right? But none of it's extreme. I don't have, like, the abolish the police or defund yeah. the police on there. It's all just like, hey, this person was murdered. We should arrest the people that murdered them. Yeah. Like, Solid take. Yeah, which is, like, not a hot take. No. Right? Yeah. Like, I certainly don't think so. And so the fact that I'm losing followers over that, it's, like, good riddance. Like, yeah. I'm good here. Yeah. You know? Um, I guess it's been so... I don't. I don't want to just ask like, what's it like to be white right now? Yeah. No. Hey, I, you know, we're doing it with with, with uh, people of color. Like, hey, what's it like? So I guess feel free to to turn it around. Well, on me. and so I'll say what it's been like for me first, and then 
you can chime in kind of your experience. Finally, the white man yeah. has a chance to speak. The, Thank God. The white male rarely gets this opportunity. Um, so obviously, I've been pretty vocal about the, the cause, right? Yeah. About Black Lives Matter, about police brutality, about just general oppression of people of color, right? But it's kind of... I kind of feel like a man in like uh, in no man's land in the sense that like I'm brown, I'm mm-hmm. a person of color, but I'm not black. I'm not an African American. Yeah. Right? And so Damon said this thing on I believe Nick Boz podcast. I've heard him say it before. He's like, I'm too black for some, I'm not black enough for others. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel. I mean, I'm not black at all, but like I'm kind of an ambiguous shade of brown. Like most people don't just like, most people you can look at and know, in general, what their ethnicity is. Yeah. Like, that's just how skin color works. You have a pretty good guess. I'm kind of an ambiguous brown color. Yeah. Like You some, could be tan. Some people think I'm Mexican. Some people think I'm Italian. Some people think I'm part black. Some people think I'm Arab. Some people think I'm Hawaiian. Yeah. And, and so it's just, it's, even, I'm Indian, by the way, half. <laughs> for those of you um, who are wondering. Yeah, for those that I don't want to leave you hanging there. But... So, like, I obviously have not experienced the systemic racism that uh, that African-Americans in this country face, right? Yeah. That's not something I've had to deal with. But the general population and their racism is something that's very real to me, you know? Sure. So I have some of these same shared experiences and yet no idea on this other half of it. And I think it's the same for, you know, obviously... It's you can't put a blanket statement and say okay all African Americans have had this experience and all people of color have had this experience and all white people have had this experience like that's yeah. not how it works right yeah. but it is kind of like an identity crisis almost because I identify so much with this movement about African Americans and about Black people yet I'm not you know yeah. <laughs> but I'm also not what like it's a very strange as passionate as I am about it sometimes I almost feel guilty for being this passionate about it yet not being black. Yeah. Like it's a very strange dynamic for me. And so as somebody who's, uh, who's white, you know, and I am white <laughs> can confirm if you didn't know what Josh was, <laughs> you've seen him and you're like, I don't know. Uh, um, been wondering, <laughs> um, there, I'm sorry. There's this episode of West wing where they're doing a primary in New Hampshire mm-hmm. and it's a Hispanic candidate. And he had some quote from several years earlier that got dug up, and he's like, it's ridiculous that, like, the, you know, these descendants of the Mayflower get to decide who the next president's going to be. I don't think it's a real, like, diverse population up there. And their response is like, hey, we're 30% Franco-American. <laughs> Maybe that's what I am. Um, but anyway, so as somebody who obviously has a different perspective from... I mean, we have a similar upbringing in terms of our Religion. evangelical yeah. right wingishness that we've both kind of been like, hey, that's, I don't yeah. love that. We're moving away from it a little bit. <laughs> um, but being, for, being a, a white person that feels passionately about these black topics, I guess, what's that like? Because sometimes there is hostility towards. I mean, sometimes you just get fed up and you're just mad at all white people, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And that's, I don't think... Dude, and I get mad at white people all the time. Yeah, like it's... I it's, do the blanket thing, too, of, like, white people suck. <laughs> white men suck, you know? So so what's that been like from from your perspective? It's... it. I, I love the way that you just kind of described yourself of... 
of like you don't want to like make somebody mad like i am really invested in this like hey come on like yeah it's like it's like mean girls like she doesn't even go here exactly and And i don't i don't go here i have felt that's an awesome way to put it dude she doesn't even go here (laughs) i have felt that way the last two weeks of i care i care so much about all this stuff and and it 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 breaks my heart to think of just the nature of humanity at times. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've been going back and I've been reading some books lately. That's how I've spent some of my quarantine. About I read a book about post-Civil War Reconstruction. I'm reading a book right now about Nixon. And, and I mean, it's dude, it's it's insane, first of all, how much of it's like the same playbook that, you know, Trump's trying to run. And, and Yeah, let's, let's not pretend like we haven't seen this before. Exactly. And so I, I have... The, the book about post-slavery, I mean, it, it just kind of wrecked me, man. Like... Hearing some of the arguments that people are making and how the Confederacy was able to get a lot of some, you know, like people in, like Confederates literally then becoming members of Congress. And so the last few weeks have been tough because I don't in a way know what to do. You know, and I don't, I said this to Damon, we had Damon on a week ago. And I I said to him, like, I didn't want to just be another white guy reaching out to you. And, And like, hey, I know it's tough. I'm here for you. Like, I don't. I don't want to do that, yeah. you know, because I imagine a lot of people are. But on the other hand, like, I do have a heart for this stuff. And, and, and in a way, I feel like I'm not doing enough right now. Yeah. You know, like, I, I am not in the streets with people. I am not protesting. And and there's, there's you know, d- reasons for that. But I, in a way, I, I almost am, like, regretful of this moment right now for my future self of, like, It'll be me in 10 years, and I'll be like, Josh, why didn't you do more? And I felt that way for the last four years. Yeah. Because I, I read and I care about what's happening in our country to so to like such a high degree right now. But I don't talk about it. I don't I don't like I talk about it with my girlfriend, I talk about it with a few friends, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't we don't talk about it on the air. I don't talk about voter suppression with coworkers. You know, I just don't do that stuff, but I care about it immensely and and you know 10 you know 10 years ago me would be blown away at, at like how invested i am in this stuff yeah. and so you know i don't want to do like white guy woe is me because there are so many bigger problems out there <laughs> yeah obviously but it's 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 been i don't know man I, I i feel depressed a lot of of just like how how so many people that look like me or can have the same background as me or can have the very similar lives as me can view things in a completely different way, yeah. in, in a way that I find offensive. Or you know, like I grew up, I, I grew up going to church every Sunday, and you know, like the version of Jesus that I was taught about was love and compassion and caring for your neighbor. And so when I see the way that that some have acted over the last few weeks, and, and in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, acted that way, it, and calling upon the Bible. And Jesus has justification for the way they're acting. Yeah, it, it 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 hurts, you know. Like, and I've said this on the air a few times, and I've said it on Twitter, but I don't go to church anymore. Like, I stopped after high school. It was because I got into college, and my parents were like, "Look, we're not going to make you go anymore." And so I was like, "Sweet, I'm sleeping in on Sundays." Yeah. But I started going to church again four or five years ago, and I started going almost every week. And I I, I was really like getting into it. It was so important for me after my divorce. Like, it was a real. It was like a nice, safe space. Yeah. And I have completely gone away from going to church. And a big reason why is the evangelical right and, and the hold in which they have over the Republican Party in, in just a myriad well, of more ways. More accurately, the Republican Party has, has on them. them. Yeah. yeah, and like 
I, I get, like, in, a, in an issue of, like, abortion, you know, there is, like, one side or the other for the most part. It's a two-sided issue. But a lot of the other stuff is is the thing that I can't get past. Like, I, I get it. If, if somebody is, is you know, um, pro-life versus pro-choice, like, that's going to be hard to really find a middle ground. But it's all the other stuff that I just can't figure out why why it's so, like, this, like like you just said, using what's happening in the name of God. And it's, like... Sorry, I'm out. I just, I, I don't want to, I just don't want to do this anymore. And so I, I, I don't remember the last time I went to church, you know, I was going to go for Christmas, but I think the weather was weird or something happened and, you know, was going to go for, for this, but I was sick that day or whatever. Cause like, I always tried to go like Mother's Day or Father's yeah. Day. And now obviously we're in a pandemic and so there's not, you know, regular church services anymore, but it, it's been years because I just, and, and that's unfair to like some of the people in my life who go to church or are pastors. Like we talked about Josh Dozer earlier. That was the church that I was attending for a while. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's a very diverse church. Yeah. But I've just, I haven't been able to kind of get past my own issues of what's been happening. And and it sucks. You know, it really sucks. Well, I'm, I'm glad you kind of brought that up and went in that direction because I have, I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, but I have a very similar experience in terms of grew up in the church, went to church every Sunday, like evangelical. Um, I went to school originally to become a pastor. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I've got, you know, I ended up majoring basically in, in Bible history and, and theology, right? And so I've got a, 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 a huge appreciation and, and really a, a love for the church. And I, I still consider myself a Christian, but I, like you, I, I really don't go to church that much anymore. And it really started for me with the last election cycle yeah. in about 2015. And what it was was that I saw people that I'd been going to church with my entire life. I mean, I, I mean literally my entire life. And posting things on Facebook, supporting a man who... And that was back when you are hearing a lot of these things about, like, the immigration policies, whether it be from Arab countries or from Mexico or whatever, and just saying horrible things in support of, of some of Trump's policies or echoing some of the horrible things that Trump had said about people from these countries, right? And these were, you know, elders and deacons and leaders in my church saying these things on their Facebook page. And I'm like, I thought we were cool. Like, yeah. I thought I was cool with this person. It's like, wait, so what do you see when you look at me? Yeah. Right? And they're like, oh, no, no, you're not like that. And I was like, no, 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 I am. It's like, you're, that's where you're wrong. I'm just like all these people. You're wrong about all of us. Though. Yeah. And so, that, I mean, that's where I really started struggling with the church. And then, um, again, much like you, after my divorce, I started to go back and find some, like, peace and solace there. And, again, with just the just rampant hatefulness I don't even just want to say racism because it's just general hate, hatefulness, whether it's to different racial groups or to, like, LGBTQ communities yeah. or just anyone that's different from them at all. There's just so much fear and hate towards these people. And I just, I, I was like, I can't be around this anymore. Yeah. Ironically, I did find some, I, I started going to Catholic Mass some. And that was different enough from the evangelical church that I was like, oh, I kind of like this. Yeah. You know, I found a lot of things that I agree with, um, with within like the Jesuit type of, of of knowledge and learning in the Catholic Church. You know, and where they take things 
And instead of being like, well, right here in the Bible, it says that if you have sex with another man, it means that you're going straight to hell. It's like, well, they take a, a picture of something and they say, okay, it seems like the direct correlation is this. But what it's actually more like in principle and in philosophy is this other thing. And let's decide like what it's closest to in terms of what the actual principle that we're talking about is. And I believe the, the theory is called casu, or casuistry, I think is what it's called, where they this comparison that they do. They just like, okay, let's find the closest comparison we can think of what the essence of the issue is. Yeah. And let's say let's see what God has to say about that. Because the fact of the matter is most of the things that we're going through in 2020, the Bible has nothing to say about. And so you're taking principles and things like that. And I, I sent you this article about, and I think it really got to the heart of what we both feel is a disconnect with the evangelical church, about, is by a guy named Brian Zahn. You can look it up if you want. Um, I'll try and post it with the, with the podcast, which if you're listening to this, I already did. Already. <laughs> <laughs> um it, it makes this incredible point that I had never thought about before. Yeah. That the Bible is written from the point of view of the oppressed. Mm-hmm. And it is read by the American church by the oppressors who are acting like the oppressed. And that doesn't work. No. If the, you basically have these... It's too many different viewpoints. For the most part, large groups of rich white people, especially when you consider towards the rest of the world. I get they may not be rich in their community. They may not be, but like, most of them have houses. Most of them have jobs. Most of them have everything they need. Yeah. Right? So they're rich white people in that sense. Yeah. Reading this from the point of, or reading this stuff written by slaves, by refugees, by no one that was white, to be clear. Like, no one in the Bible is white. Yeah. At least none of the good guys. <laughs> There's some Romans in there. If you want to identify with them. But like tough luck. Jesus looks a lot more like me than he does like you. Oh yeah, beard especially. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean though? Like the white Jesus, the the picture in your church, that ain't him. Yeah. You know, and so you have these these people of color, slaves, prostitutes, um, you know, lepers. That's who the Bible is written by. Socialists. <laughs> I mean, yeah. If you want to talk about it? Jesus was a socialist. Hate to tell you, <laughs> like. Go sell your land and bring the money back to the group, right? Yeah, like, yeah, that's... Yeah. Hate to tell you. Yeah. Okay? Um, and so that those are the people that are writing this book. Yeah. And so when that those stories are not recognized as the stories of the oppressed, and you take the, their principles and you try and, and apply them to the people who are in places of advantage, you have this huge disconnect where the advantaged people feel like the victims, which means they think everyone else is oppressing them. And it... The whole thing crumbles. Oh, dude, and it, it drives me crazy. And that's why... It makes me so mad. It does. And and I think, you know, looking back at the last two weeks again for a moment, one of the things that I have been pleasantly surprised and pleased by is that we have... I, I don't know, man, about you, but in my life, at least, I have seen a shift in tone from some. Not all, but some. And 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 I, I don't know, you know, why it took this moment for for you know pe- white people in my life to talk to their friends of color mm-hmm. about their experiences, but like I've heard these stories a million times of getting pulled over and how scary that yeah. can be, and and walking down the street and and seeing an officer 
and how scary, or even just a white person in general, and how scary that can be. And and maybe maybe the fault that I had throughout the last however many years was maybe that message just didn't get out there like it should have on my end or from others because I, I think if if you are willing to listen, these stories have been in the news for our entire lives and going back even further. And I think that that has been the thing that has changed for whatever reason over the last two weeks. I get why the George Floyd video has resonated like it has. The thing that I have been surprised by, though, is the willingness to listen from people that look like me. And and that's a good thing because I've I've had a lot of conversations over the last couple weeks of, I had no idea about this or this woman had to teach her sons this growing up and we never had to do that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you know, like I I guess I just thought it was kind of common knowledge, but it wasn't, you know? And I told this story on the air a couple of weeks ago, Ravi, about like, and and I give my mom so much credit for this. So I, I, I was born here, but lived in Iowa, Oklahoma and Michigan growing up in basically white communities. Plus I was so young. I didn't really know anything. And I remember we moved here in 1996 and we're driving, I think, in Omaha. And I remember just, like, noticing black people. Mm-hmm. And so I said something to my mom, like, wow, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of black people here. And she responded, like, without skipping a beat, like, yeah, isn't it great? And in that one moment, it, I didn't realize it at the time. It took years for me to realize it. Really, it took, it took the last two weeks. That that moment has stuck with me so much. You know, like, I'm not going to be someone, I never see color. Of course I see color. Everybody does. Yeah. You're lying if you don't. But the thing that I have really noticed about myself is whether it was that moment or living where I did in Omaha, I lived in North Omaha throughout much of my life, going to Omaha North High, just like, did I see color? Of course. But I just got so used to being around people that didn't look like me that it, it wasn't a thing. Like, I thought about that when I was driving over here tonight. Like, I'm going over to hang out with Ravi, a person of color. And it's like, I never thought to th- think that way. Yeah. We've gone out. We've had dinner together before. We've done the show together. I never am like, what do people think of me, a white guy, with somebody <laughs> that doesn't look like me? But, you know, I'm guessing that a lot of people in my life actually do think about it that way or have thought yeah. about it that way. And, and... So I don't, I don't know, I guess I didn't, I went way off on, on what you originally were mentioning, but it's just, I, I don't know, it seems like people are listening and, you know. That's, that's something. Yeah, because I, I, I have, like, I remember four years ago with Colin Kaepernick, like, of course, of course what he's doing is right, of course it is, and having conversations with people I loved in my life of like, no, it's like, all right, wow, we're, just, there's, we're not even going to entertain this because yeah. he, he said he's, well, you know, he just needs to deal with it. It's like, okay, that's it's just that's not how it is. We are lucky. You are lucky to be a white person because you don't have to. Th- a, privilege is not having to think about your privilege, and that is how I've been able to live my life for thirty-one plus years. I never have to think about being white because that's just how I am. It's it, the way the best way I've heard it described. And there's been a lot of like memes or stuff yeah. on the internet or whatever that's been like describing privilege in a way that doesn't make people instantly defensive, right? Sure. And the best way I've heard it described is just, okay, yes, you've had struggles in your life, you've had obstacles, you've had things you've had to overcome, your skin color just was never one of them. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. just the truth, Yeah. right? And I think part of the issue people had with Kaepernick and with just this idea of systemic racism for so long was that they just never, they refused to acknowledge that People of color and white people live in two different Americas. Yeah. Especially African Americans. Yeah. Because the systemic racism for them is so much worse than it is for any other racial group. Like, I 100% acknowledge that. Like, I never had any issues with, you know, the schools I went to or anything like that. Like, that was not part of my life. Like, again, 
the getting pulled over, you know, my wife and I, girlfriend at the time, went to North Carolina and uh, for to, for her grandma's funeral a year and a half ago. And, like, people walking to the other side of the street because an interracial couple was holding hands in North Carolina or whatever, like, tons of that kind of stuff. Like, being followed around a store in Branson, Missouri because there was a, a brown guy in the shop, you know, whatever the case is, you know, lots of stuff like that. Scariest moment of my life, and I'm not even exaggerating. Scariest moment of my life was about five years ago. And it was, and the, the reason, I'll, I'll tell you before I tell the story. The reason I'm telling the story, which I think like three people in my life even know about, is because part of the problem that I think I can help solve is that when something happens where you're racially profiled or discriminated against or whatever, you don't want to talk about it. Yeah. It's embarrassing. You feel shame. That's the overwhelming thing you feel is shame, which is stupid yeah. because it's not your fault. But yeah. you feel like the you, other person should feel you the shame. feel like you did something wrong. Yeah. And the wrong thing that you did is you were born the wrong skin color. That's but you feel shame. You feel instant shame and embarrassment. And so you never tell these stories. That's why so many white people don't know the stories. Yeah. Right? If you don't see them firsthand, you probably have never heard one of the stories because we don't like telling them. It sucks. It's one of the worst moments of your life. And I've never even had one that was that bad, right? Like, I've never been handcuffed or anything like that. Like, I've never had one that was that bad. But the scariest moment of my life was five years ago when I was living in Ashland. I was driving into work to Omaha, so I was on this country highway. Mm -hmm. And my car broke down. It The transmission just kicked it while I was driving down the highway. I got over to the side of the road. But I had to call a tow truck. I was, you know, sitting on the side of the road for an hour, hour and a half. And... About, I want to say less than a month before that, a man, I think his name was Terrence Crutcher, had been shot and killed by police while waiting by the side of the road with a with a broken down car. And so, of course, that's the first thing that comes to my mind, right? Because you see the video, you see this guy get shot to death. And I'm sitting there, I don't know, 45 minutes before this happens, and a state trooper pulls up behind me. And I'm just like, I'm scared to death at this point. Like, there's no one else around. There's nothing I can do. I just have to sit there and hope he's a good guy. You know, I'm completely 100% at his mercy. And so, like, I did the thing they tell you to do when you're a person of color in America. You get your license out. You get your registration out. You hold them in your hand. You have your hands on the wheel. Like, I did the whole thing, you know, just to try and make sure I didn't have any issues, right? And to be clear, the state patrolman couldn't have been nicer. I did not have any issues. But that like five minutes from the point where they pull you over to the time they get to your window, because they sit there for a minute, they run your plates and everything, and then they walk to the car. That like five minutes was the scariest five minutes of my life. Because I had no idea, like I, I knew I was completely 100% at someone else's mercy, and there was nothing I could do about it. And that sucked. And I'm embarrassed because it ha I, I I'm almost embarrassed because I was scared, but... You know, because I've known, I mean, my best friend's dad is a police chief. Like, not in Omaha anymore. He was for a while. But he lives down in Texas now. He's a police chief. Great guy. Like, love him like my own father. Has treated me like my like his own son. Like, I grew up with police officers going to my church. Like, I, I've never had an issue with police officers in the ones that I've actually known, right? But I know there's bad apples out there, or however you want to call it, or a systemic issue, 
or you know it's a profession that draws in certain personality types that are that are more likely to be abusive of their power right and so i sat there after i thought i sit there for another half hour after this interaction to wait for the tow truck to come and it was just like i was i was ashamed and i was still scared i was like what if another one comes up like i like and it was this completely innocuous situation and except for being like a woman whose car break down breaks down at night no white person has ever felt that no you know yeah and if i get pulled over by a cop it's like by a cop it's like crap my my right now my headlights out like yeah. oh man i hope i don't get a ticket for my headlight yeah. like that's literally what it would be you know yeah. for me that that is my fear of i hope i don't have to pay a fine yeah. i never would ever have to think that way and that's i i, I think and i hope that if there's going to be any good to come from this, it is, and, and I think, you know, going, circling back to what we talked about earlier with the murder of George Floyd, just the callousness and the ease and the hands in the pocket and the look on the face and all of that, I hope that that was like a wake-up call. Yeah. Because I have heard stories like that before that you just told, and and I know I never have ever had to feel that way. And I, I'm guessing that all of the white members in my family are the exact same way. Yeah. My white friends have never thought that. And so I hope that this one moment is like, oh, okay. Because, you know, like, I mean, the thing that I've thought of a lot over the last few weeks, and I imagine other people have too, it's like, this was caught on camera. If this has happened, what else has happened? And I, I know I thought a lot about that with the protests. Like, wow, there's a lot of brazenness with cameras around. What happens when the cameras are off? And and I hope that people are asking those yeah. those questions. Well, you know what happens when the cameras are off? They execute no-knock warrants and they shoot a woman eight times to death. Exactly. I mean, if you're talking about Breonna Taylor. Yeah. You know, and they had cameras. They were issued cameras. They were not off. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know... We could just sit here and name all the atrocities, right? Yeah. That's the one that's on my mind the most. Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah. You've been talking about it a lot, you which know? is, I mean, it's that, and that's the thing too, right? It's like because those officers aren't arrested still. Yeah, the, that, that's the thing that's like to have to cut you off. Sorry. No, you're good. The the thing that the biggest two things that have come out of this f- for me right now that like immediate things that are imminently fixable, right? Because the systemic racism, like that's going to take time, and like we have to like that's that's a long game. Don't stop working, but that is a long game. Yeah, for every person like me that was told, like, yeah, isn't it great that there are a bunch of people of color in town? You have somebody else that was my age at the time, which is probably seven or eight, who is taught the exact opposite. Or even not verbally, but, like, the door's locked all of a sudden. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. You know, and it's like, listen, I lock my doors wherever I go. Yeah, yeah. That's just who I am as a human being. Like, you came in the door today, I locked the door directly behind you. Yeah. Like, every single door in my house is locked. Anybody walks by my car and uh, when I'm at a stoplight, the door is locked. I don't care what color you are. And my door is locked in my car. For whatever reason, people walking... Is the most ominous thing. Yeah, like oh, I'm in a car. You see that? It's like, why are you on your feet? <laughs> yeah. What's going You're on locked, with this whole walking? You thing? know. But like, that's just who I am as a person. But like, even like nonverbal cues like that, like when you're a kid, go a long way. Oh yeah. Right. And so, but like the things that are fixable are getting rid of just the the blanket police immunity, like hold them accountable. You know, if they shoot someone, they go on. They like. They go to the, the DA or whoever for charges just like anybody else would, right? Yeah. Like, that's part of the gig now. And the other issue f- for me is to demilitarize the police. Yeah. I don't want to say defund the police because I think there's a lot of connotations there and there's some ends of that spectrum that I do not agree with. Yeah. Right? 
but demilitarize the police. There are situations where police do not need to be called. There should be, whether it's like mental health situations or stuff like that, like, yeah. they're, they're not qualified for that. And that's not their fault. But when you constantly put them in positions where they are unqualified, then there's going to be a higher sense of anxiety and fear, and that leads to bad things and to escalations. They assert their power in order to control the situation. Yeah, I heard a conversation over the last couple of weeks. I don't remember where, but it was essentially like, you know, there was this one time I saw these two people arguing in a park, and I knew I needed to call somebody, but it's like, I wish that there was like this, like... I think it's a comedy bit. Yeah. Or I've heard a comedy bit like it Maybe, yeah. yeah. It was like... It, 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 it was like, is there a mediator we can bring in just kind of help defuse yeah. the situation? Is there something between me, a citizen, and the police? Yeah, and so and like some someone somewhere between me with no experience and no anything, and someone who uses force more often than not. Yeah, and go. Know? I mean, going back to what you said about Breonna Taylor, I think that that um, the, the uh, what is it, Aubrey the 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 uh, the runner Ahmad Arbery. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, thank you. And, and then George Floyd. Like, I think all three of those moments, which happened within the span of what the the, um, the Aubrey situation was February. Was first, I think. Okay, yeah. so so basically February and Tanaj. So you're looking at four months worth of time. Four and a half, five yeah. months worth of, about, of time. I think about three between the actual events. It's, yeah. yeah, sure, right. Because obviously George Floyd happened in May. Yeah. A guy is running to run, which I do every day, and I never think about it. One person is in her home sleeping. With the doors locked. And the other person used a $20 bill that was counterfeit. We don't really even know the whole story there. But then had, you know, a guy put his knee on his neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. And so I I think, like, and I'm not anywhere near the first person to say this, but you look at some of the, the names from the past, the events from the past, the deaths from the past, and there was always, you said this on the radio yesterday, there was always this like, well, but the video was grainier. Well, we didn't have the audio. Well, he, he was reaching you for some... You see, he, it looked like he was reaching for so a gun. He, there was always this built-in excuse. A guy's running to work out, someone's in her home with the door locked, and a guy has a knee on, on his neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. Like It's like those ones, it's like, how do we... You can't just be like, no. This doesn't exist. Because how often... Shouldn't have been there. Shouldn't be in your own home. Shouldn't be in his own neighborhood. Like that, like, and, and once again, going back to things that I don't ever have to think about. I, I literally go for a run every day. And I mean, I, I would say it's the same thing for women too. One of my best friends. Yeah. His wife, you know, runs only at certain parts of the day. Make sure that the dog is with her because. I make my wife take a dog if she ever goes for a walk for a yeah. run. And we live, I mean, you came to my house and we, we live in a nice neighborhood. Yeah. Like, but it actually reminds me, like, there was. A, I feel safer with my wife in this neighborhood than I feel in, my, in this neighborhood. Like, there was, it was about a month after the Ahmaud Arbery situation where she, um, her, me, and one of the dogs went out for a walk in the neighborhood, right? And I, I don't remember what happened. I think, like, I was wearing the wrong shoes or something, and they were starting to give me a blister. And so I was like, I'm going to go back. She wanted to go all the way around the lake. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to go back. Uh, go back home and I was walking home for about 10 minutes and like it kept going through my mind like the Ahmaud Arbery thing like I was wearing like a hoodie and shorts and, and shoes yeah. and I didn't have my hood up because I was scared to frankly yeah. um, but like I live in a mostly white neighborhood like and while my neighbors directly around me I'm cool with and like I've talked to and they seem to like me like we were a few blocks away from the house like Who's to say that somebody wasn't going to call the cops on me just because 
person of color walking in the neighborhood. was a brown guy walking around in a white neighborhood. Yeah. You know? And it's like, well, listen, I pay my mortgage just like you do. So, yeah. you know, but like that's... See, and that's another thing. I right? felt safer with my white wife who weighs like, you know, a <laughs> buck, like a hundred pounds. <laughs> and... Don't talk about a woman's weight. Like, <laughs> you're uh. And like, you know, our giant 80-pound pit bull. Yeah. I mean, I always feel safer with the, the giant pit bull, to be fair. Fair. But he's terrified of people. If you come up to him, he's just going to piss himself. Uh. But I've got two other ones that will eat your face. So I heard them earlier. <laughs> but like, I felt, I I felt more safe with her yeah. with me than I did on my own. And it had nothing to do with like... Her strength. She, she has no ability to protect me, like... She is a state champion trap shooter, so, like, if she's got a shotgun on her, you're in trouble. Well, like, we're just walking around the neighborhood. We don't carry the shotgun around, right? That might raise suspicion. But, like, so I walked for 10 minutes home by myself, and I was just like, dear God, I hope nobody sees me. Yeah. You know? And it was, like, the dumbest thing. It's my freaking neighborhood, you know? Yeah. I don't know what the point of that story was. No, it, it just, it <laughs> should, it's, once again, it, talk, it, it shows what, what somebody not like me has to think about at all times. Yeah, and it's and and I I do I, I feel for women I do because oh yeah they deal with a lot of these same things and like things they have to think about and that most people don't have to think about like and things that like oh I don't want to go to that part of town or I don't want to run during this time of day like I totally understand that you know and I because there's a lot of misogynistic people out there too oh it's so bad you know it's horrifying yeah it it really is when you when you start thinking about you know I mean just how how people in general are treated whether it's you know, how, how somebody can treat a, a black person or how somebody can treat a brown person or how somebody can treat a woman. And it's just like, what, what is, like, what is wrong? Like with, I, with us that we do this, you know, that, that, that somebody has to be that afraid or that worried to do normal remedial activities or yeah. tasks, you know? And, and that's why I remember when Trump got elected and we came on the air the next day and, and I, I said something like, look, I'm not worried. I'm a white guy. Like I know that I'm fine, like, you know. Like fine. Yeah. you know, I I know that where I will be affected the most, and this has been the case for the last four years, is my empathy. It's just me caring about others. Is that's where my my if if I could turn that part of my brain off, four years would be cake, man. Sure. Like it really. I mean, I guess I went through a divorce, so not totally cake, but you know, <laughs> like politically speaking. Yeah, but yeah, it's and and that's the thing, and and so I don't have to think about that for myself, but I do for others, and yeah. and I think. You know, not to continue to preach, but like that's the thing that I hope people take away from right now. It's just like empathy. Be empathetic. Think, try to imagine yourself in somebody else's shoes. You know. Well, and that just like, and I think it's hard for not that like we're so great, but like people like us that are I don't know just like normal human beings with souls, like that to like I can't imagine treating like anything that like I obviously I'm obsessed with my dogs, but like. Most people don't even, don't treat animals that way. Yeah. You know, like, unless they're planning on eating them, which is a different story, but, like, like, domestic, like, nobody treats something that is an actual different species that is less evolved or whatever you want to say than us, and that is, you know, most people, most scientists think that dogs have an intelligence level somewhere in, like, the elementary school range, so they're actually less intelligent than us, they're a different species than us, they're less capable than us. They literally just mooch off of their humans. That's all dogs do. And no one would dream. Most most most. normal. I don't want to say no one. But like I would say fewer people could dream of treating a dog the way they treat people of color or women. 100%. And And that's that's like 
what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, it's sad, and it it's and that's not again, and I love dogs. Yeah, I'm the same, but it's like you know we because I mean look, I've watched. I don't watch movies where animals die, but I'll watch movies where people die. That doesn't make any sense. But it, it's, you know, the fictionalized universe. But you're so spot on about just life in general, you know. I would The n- complete lack of value for life. Yeah. Which is incredibly ironic because the one issue that the evangelical church has just hooked its wagon to is this pro-life stance. It's like, you don't mean pro-life. Pro-birth. You mean pro-birth. Yeah, and then figure After it out. After they're alive... Go fuck yourself. Yeah, fend for yourself. Right? It's yeah. like, pull yourself up by your bootstrap, right? Yep. That's the that's the methodology. Not the socialism that Jesus is teaching you. You're just like, hey, you figure it out. Capitalism, buddy. Yeah. Hey, hey. And it, that's something that I have not been able to... I, I don't I don't, I don't. don't understand it. I, it's because there's no way to understand it. It's illogical. There's it is. no way to understand it's it. Ha- it's hard. It, I mean, and I felt These that way. These are like their pro-death penalty? I, I, I felt that way part. with COVID. You know, yeah. when, when COVID, you know, first started. And it just, like, the... It's like wow, we're hand waving away. I mean, a thousand people die a day, based you know, on average right yeah. now, a little less, probably nine hundred, eight nine hundred. We're up to what one hundred twenty thousand almost in in the U.S. four hundred and some thousand worldwide. And and the the like, that's not nothing. Yeah, and 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 you know, I, I think about it in in the with sports and just how it's like, wow, we're really just gonna do this, huh? We're really gonna play these games, and and people are gonna die, and it's just gonna be this. I'm underst- surprised they're gonna have fans. Yeah, I thought they would move on without fans, and that seems pretty reasonable. You're talking about mostly people in the prime of their health. Yeah, you're probably like a casualty would be very rare in that instance. If it was, it would probably be somebody on support staff, which is again heartbreaking. But you have a very low risk in general at that point. But to bring in fans, it's just you know, and I, I said it earlier. It's just like all right, I guess I'm throwing up my hands yeah. at this, and and you know, but that I I have weighed on that a ton over the last few months of like the pro life, but the a lot of a lot of those. People who are pro-life, I have seen, like literally I know it because I know that they are, are arguing with me about the stats are fake or it's not that big of a deal or the flu is worse. And it's like, all right. I, it's you like, know. Well, maybe we should care about the flu more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, that's like, my, 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 my conclusion from that isn't like, oh, COVID's not a big deal. It's like, well, maybe we should care about the flu. Go get your flu shot, you idiot. Yeah, aren't, we, aren't you telling on yourself a little bit there yeah. when you say that? Yeah, and... and in, in a way, the the I mean, the last few months, obviously, we we are never going to forget this. But I just I continue to be stunned and amazed in all the wrong ways at just how many different like moments have happened that w- would be like the biggest deal for anyone's lifetime, and yeah. that we've had them like in in three months, and they've all just been since, scrunched together since March. Yeah, yeah, really, since March 12th, since March 11th, to think of what has happened, not to dude. The president got impeached last year, and that's like, I barely remember that sometimes. I forgot it happened. He got impeached. Like, I remember, you know, growing up, I, cause, like, obviously Bill Clinton got impeached in our lifetime, but I don't really remember it that much. And so I remember as I got older and into high school and into college, and you read about it and you study on it, it's like, man, what would it be like to live through an impeachment where it's on yeah. every single day? Well, and then I, it happened. I remember because my parents used to watch evening news every night while they were making dinner or whatever. Yeah. Or while, like... I was heating up leftovers or whatever it was that night, you know? Like, I remember it being a big deal. I didn't remember why exactly. Like, I knew he did some stuff with a intern he was not supposed to do. Right? Yeah. Uh, but, like, I knew it was a big deal then because it was on the news every single night. And that doesn't make the top ten in the last six months. Which is, I mean... I mean, Kobe died, like, five months ago, and I forgot, like... 
it's just like that felt like years ago. Yeah, you know, we've had a lot of like the jokes over the last few years of like this year's the worst, this year's the worst. And obviously, twenty twenty is destroying any other year in our yeah. lifetime in terms of being the worst. Twenty twenty is the ninety five Nebraska of years. of years, <laughs> but in the in the worst way. Yeah. It really is, man. Like the I, I mean, the, the Kobe death. We we talked about it. You and I did on the air, off the air. You know, he meant a lot to both of us in, yeah. in different ways. And and I remember in that moment, like, wow, this is. I'm never gonna forget this year for this one moment. It's like. I, I forget that he's dead all the time, yeah. you know, and it's like, oh, that's right, it that and, and that, that it happened this year, and that that was five months ago, you like know? four and a half. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we're not even at the end of June yet. Yeah, this uh, this year sucked. It it's not awesome. No, 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 it's not. Yeah, it's been strange. It started off super exciting. I got I moved into my house the first day of the there year. There you go. It's been all downhill since then. Yeah, <laughs> I've lost weight. Like that's the positive for me. It's like I'll say you're looking lean. Thanks. Yeah, I've lost almost forty pounds. Oh, so, geez. yeah. Um, I actually like have some muscles now, there and like you, you can see like my abs and stuff. So like that's pretty. You cool. gonna start working out in the in the like Lula gym with me? Uh, dude, I thought about it. Like you know what? Like I don't want to get buff like you, but like just tone it up a little bit. You know, a happy little stronger. Like, yeah, you know? you know, it's it's nice. It's and fun. so like that's been the positive for me. It's like I've never felt more confident just about myself. But everything else, <laughs> and the show's been really good. We've had really good ratings, and that's been nice. Um, number one show in Omaha in the afternoons, not to brag. No big deal. So that's been really cool. But you know what? The last three months have also sucked because I haven't gotten to do the show with you or Sipple or Schaefer, any of like my favorite fill-ins, yeah. Jack Mitchell, because you know, like we none of us have taken time off. I think no. Stibbs has missed one day. John hasn't missed any days. I haven't missed any days. And you know, like Memorial Day was like the first day off, like on a not on Saturday or Sunday in yeah. in months. And I put in for vacation yesterday, and I am just like, <laughs> this is gonna be the best. I am going to do. Because I'm not traveling. I'm just going to sit around and golf and drink. Yeah. You know, it's going to be great. Dude, I think this is the longest I haven't filled in in like a couple years. Since probably you started filling yeah, in? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah. It yeah. sucks. Like, I, I miss it. Like, I love working with John. I love working with Stibbs. But the, it's like nice to kind of just change it up. Like, yeah. Because then, honestly, what it, what it is is like if, if I'm gone on vacation or John is gone or Stibbs is gone on vacation, when we're all back together again, it's like, oh, man. You know, it's like I always loved the first shows after the College World Series because it, it – in a weird way, even though like all of us were tired, it was like recharging the batteries of like, yeah. nice, it's good to see you guys again. Let's do this. Or at the end of the year, we always take like a week off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's nice to come back at the beginning of the year, even though it's like, ah, oh, this sucks. I'm back at work. It's like, all right, guys, let's do this thing. Like I miss just doing the shows with you or or Sipple or Jack or whoever because it's a night. It's just a fun change. They don't listen to the podcast. You can just say me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love I love doing the show with Robbie, and I don't care about those white guys that I do the show with. But I, I just those I, Lincoln guys. Yeah, I miss I miss it. I miss like hanging out with you and and like like you know we get so used to doing the show the way it is that sometimes we talk during the breaks and sometimes we don't. But like with you or any other Phil, and it's like the breaks like we end up chatting the whole time. Yeah. So it's like four hours of just like just hanging out with a buddy, hanging out and like. We take the honor conversations and we take them off air and like add a few more, you know, you know, curse words and whatnot. It's just like it's like a blast. And so like I miss like I miss that. I mean, like everyone's like, hey, what do you miss most about the, you know, because of the pandemic? And there's like a million different things. I miss like going to the grocery store, just walking around. Like maybe I want a beer tonight. I don't know. Like I don't do that anymore. I miss like, hey, you know what? I do want to go to a bar and have a drink or have wings. I miss that. But I miss like hanging out with like random people at work that I don't get to hang out with. But we're taking vacation, so get ready because we got shower curtains in between us. So can't wait. Yeah, we'll be inviting you. So I can sneeze on the shower curtain as much as I want. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) I'm just gonna lick it. (laughs) Feel free. 
I'm not, oh, I was gonna say I'm not on that side of the shower curtain, but then when I'm when, when John's back, back, I will be on that yeah. side of the shower. All right, you're gonna be on the other side. Sorry, John, you're on you're Just on Robbie's sneeze Just side. Yeah, wipe it down after the show. Well, I think uh, I think that's as good time to uh, call it as any. Um, Sorry, I feel bad. You sent this article and we like breezed right fine. on by it. Uh, I, you know, if it comes up organically, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. <laughs> um, but you should go read. It's it's uh, it's by Brian Zand. If you didn't read the article, if I, I'm not going to send it out. <laughs> which you know by now because I posted the thing. <laughs> but it's on. It's it's just it's Brian Zand. B R I A N Z A H N D. Just Google that. It's called My Problem with the Bible. It's from like six years ago. Um, so it's not like topical in terms of he wrote it for this. He wrote it a long time ago because it's been true for a long time. Yeah. Um, so super good article. Uh, go read that. Listen to Josh weekdays on 1620 The Zone, 1620thezone.com, 1620thezone app, or sometimes we're on YouTube. Any of your podcast platforms of choice. Radio replays. But it's all radio. It's the radio. No matter how you listen to us or watch us. Hell, if if you walk into the studio and I'm just screaming, that's you're listening that's to me radio. on the radio. If you're radio. hanging out in Ravi's house right now, which if you are cool, I guess this isn't the radio. But other times, it's if it's between <laughs> two and six, that's the radio on the weekdays, yes. two to six p.m. Josh Peterson, usually John Bishop with him as well, especially lately because nobody because <laughs> we don't have villains. Uh, that is that is every weekday. It's a great show, um, and they've been doing a great job with all of this. Just you know, the world being on fire. So thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, we'll have more podcasts because frankly, I just didn't feel like doing them while the world was burning, and so now we're back, and hopefully, we'll do some more. But uh, Josh. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I'm happy I texted you, when is the podcast coming back? And I wasn't even aiming for an invite. I was just wondering, like, hey, where's your podcast? So I'm happy that yes. that I ended up being you know, the first one. No, I need a little nudge. Yeah. It was just kind of one of those things, like, kind of like you're talking, you know, there's like a little, like, not depression, but like, you're just kind of the weight of everything that's happening kind of weighs on you. And it's yeah. like, I, I don't know that I have the energy for this right now. Yeah. So it helps to have, you know, get a little, for little sure. kick in the pants and get going again. So I uh, appreciate that for sure. And... Uh, hopefully we can, we'll do this again soon or be on the radio together again soon. Yes. Something, some sort of audio medium or Stibbs TV. Or Stibbs TV. Yeah. Thanks for having me in, Robbie. (laughs) All right. Thanks. And for everybody else, you can find me on RobbieLulaRadio.com on Facebook, Heavy Lifting with Robbie Lula on Twitter or Instagram at R-A-Lula. I also have a TikTok, but I don't really know how to use it. So, uh, and I don't remember my name on there. (laughs) Oh, so, uh, yeah, you have to figure it out. You can just search, search for a name, see what happens. Uh, but, yeah, that's where you can find the podcast, anywhere that you uh, listen to podcasts as well. And until next time, hope you have a good week.